0: For lovers of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. See, it's right there. So, let's try that again. First John 4, 8 says God is love. Whew. I get singing again. <laughs> okay. But in Isaiah 9... Verse 6, there's a prophecy about Jesus' birth, and he is called the Prince of Peace. Awesome. It's called Shah Shalom in Hebrew, which means the one who removes the peace, removes all peace-disturbing factors from among us. So instead of just saying Prince of Peace, which they translate that way, It's actually the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace for us. So in Mark chapter 4, you have the disciples are out on the boat. Jesus is tired and he's sleeping, right? He's just snoring logs, I guess. This storm is just a radical storm. It's so much of a storm that the fishermen who are in the boat, are freaked out. (laughs) And the lightning flashes. (laughs) And they see Jesus snoring logs in the back of the boat. And they come over to him and they say, Lord, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he wakes up. (laughs) And then it says he stands up and rebukes the storm and says, Peace, be still. And the scripture says there's a great calm. I mean, that's got to be amazing. Peace, be still, calm. Time to go barefooting. It's calm. Well, the reason I bring that up before we partake of our service together is there's a crazy world out there. And as you look at the events unfolding around us, the events that have unfolded for the last two years, you could be kind of like freaking out, like the disciples. But there is the Prince of Peace, who could speak peace into our lives, your life. And we're going to partake of the peace today in the emblems before us. 1 John four, eighteen, says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. So as you look at the world around us <clears throat> and you read the back of the book, you realize it's going to get crazy. It's a time of trouble such as never was or never will be. Never has been. We get the joy and the privilege of living in that time, by the way. And we can be like Jacob and just hang on to Jesus. He is the peace that passes understanding. And today we're going to talk about his blood and his body in a couple different ways. Some of the emblems are on the table, your table, some of the other emblems are up here. But I want to give you that, just a little tidbit today as we get started don't don't it's going to be crazy it's not going to be peaceful necessarily when you look on the outside but you can be peaceful in the heart because that's where god dwells so we're going to sing i think power in the blood and another song and then we'll get into our service together
1: power In the precious blood of the Lamb Would you be free from your passion and pride There's power in the blood, power in the blood Come for a cleansing from Calvary's tide There's wonderful power in the blood There is power, power, wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb Power, power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb Would you do service to Jesus, your King There's power in the blood Power in the blood Would you live daily His praises to sing There's wonderful power in the blood There is power, power Power, wonder-working power, in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Aren't we so thankful? All the things that tend to hang on and hold us tight, and things that are hard to let go—we all have them. We don't have to do that alone. In fact, God tells us that he is the one who equips us with his faith and with his power. So that none of this is stuff that we're doing on our own. And as we focus on the Lord and as we focus on our relationship with him, he gives us the power in every circumstance to overcome anything. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain, dip your heart in the stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. Waves of His mercy, as a deep cries out to deep, we sing, come. Dip your heart in the stream of life Let the pain and the sorrow Be washed away In the wave of His mercy As a deep cries out to deep we sing, come Lord.
0: Let's have a word of prayer together, shall we? Ah, oh, loving Father, we pause here this morning to just uh, thank you for this day that you made, and thank you that we could be here together in your house, just talking about you, experiencing you, and in some symbolic way, just receiving you into our our life today. We ask that it'll be more than just another communion service, more than just another sermon, message, but that it'll be transformative is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 6. There's not going to be much on the screen, so there's some Bibles in the back. If you need a Bible, you can get out your uh, fancy device and look it up in whatever translation you like. And... uh, We're going to be in John chapter 6. If you want to uncover the bread and the grapes in front of you there at the table, you're more than welcome to participate and enjoy those. They'll be an important part of our story here at the beginning. And so don't feel like you're being tempted or teased or anything like that. You you can enjoy um, that while we share together. So John chapter 6 <clears throat> is also recorded. This story of feeding the 5,000 is also recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <clears throat> one of the stories that's recorded in all four Gospels. It begins this way. <clears throat> verse 1 of John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude... Followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. If we back up into uh, Mark, for example, we find that Jesus had just found out that his cousin John had been killed. And so he talks to his disciples and they say, No, let's just go have some peace and quiet. And uh, they they head off to the other side of the lake, which is about seven miles. And Jesus went off by himself for a little while. But people who had seen the signs, had observed that Jesus had left the area, began to look for him. And they find that he's on the other side, and they begin to walk. Or they get in their boats and begin to row to the other side, until there's a great multitude... Of people. And in Matthew, what we read is that Jesus, seeing the great multitude, had compassion. Had compassion on them. Isn't that just like Jesus? To have compassion on those who are seeking Him? Yeah, He had compassion on them. Well, look at verse 4 of chapter 6. It says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. If you put this in historical context, this is one year before Jesus' last Passover. This is one year before the Lord's Supper. Okay? And Jesus is is teaching... And he's foreshadowing what's going to happen a year later. And so we're going to jump into that story, which is likely to add significance to this story. That's what we're going to do here for the first little bit as you enjoy some bread and some grapes. Jesus turns to one of his disciples in verse 5. His name is Philip. And he says, Philip! Have the people sit down. We're going to get and feed these people. Huh. And Philip's answer is, "Where shall we buy bread that these may eat?" But he said, "He said this. He said to test him, for he knew what he was going to do." All right. So take your smartphone or whatever you got there. Turn to Numbers, chapter eleven. Numbers chapter 11, verse 13, thereabouts. Numbers 11. Ah, this is a cool story here in Numbers. Chapter 11. All right. So the people started to complain. That sounds someone like us sometimes, right? When things don't go well for us, we start complaining. So here we have them in the middle of the desert, and they're beginning to complain that they wanted something more than manna. Okay, verse 7 says, Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of... um, I'm not sure how you say that. But anyway... (laughs) The people went about and gathered it and ground it in millstones and beat it. So they would make their food, their bread, whatever, out of this manna. But they were wanting meat, wanting some substance. God's bread wasn't good enough. So they complained. Verse 10, Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of their tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. Now, Moses and Aaron, man, I'm not mean. Moses and God, they have this incredible conversation, all right? So God is upset. Moses is upset. Verse 11, So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant, and why have you not found favor, and why have I not found favor in your sight, now that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Moses is kind of complaining, isn't he? Why'd you do this? Okay. <clears throat> um, verse twelve. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which I swore to your fathers? Where am I to get meat? to give to all these people, for they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat. Give us meat. <laughs> okay, so M- Moses is burdened with this idea of having to feed all the people. Saying, This is crazy. I can't feed all the people. Just, uh, you know, get rid of me so I don't have to see my wretchedness." as he ends there in verse 15. But down on verse 19, this is what God says you shall eat not one day not two days not five days nor ten days nor twenty days but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying why did we ever come out of Egypt? and then look at Moses and Moses said The people who I am among are 600,000 men on foot. And by the time you take the women and children, probably 2 million people. Okay? He's speaking the obvious, right? And yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them? To provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them? To provide enough for them? Verse 23, And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you will see whether what I say will happen to you or not. See, Jesus knew this story. He knew what he was going to do. That's what the Bible says there in John chapter 6. And clearly, there's about 12, maybe 15,000, 20,000 people on the mountainside. Not just 5,000 men. You've got to factor in the women and children. And he says to Philip, have them sit down and let's feed these people. And Philip's freaking out. No, this is not going to work. See, Jesus does, this, does something that parallels into a Scripture passage that everybody was familiar with. So then Andrew says, I have have a little hot lunch here. I have a little lunch. I think I picked it up over at Skagit Adventist Academy, but it's only like, you know, five loaves and uh, some fake fish. Okay? What is this among so many? That ties into the story of Elisha in 2 Kings. So the story is that Jesus says, have them sit down. Let's have lunch together, and He blesses the food because God's arm is not short. See? And He gives them more. There's 12 baskets left over after feeding 20,000 people. I mean, think, think about how amazing this is to these people. I mean, just for us, for example, I've been part of uh, feeding uh, the, the homeless among us And you'll go with so much soup and so many sandwiches. And you see the lineup of people waiting down in Seattle to get the soup and the sandwiches. And you do a quick math because you made the sandwiches. You made the soup. You know how many servings you made. And you quickly realize it's not going to feed all those people. But there you are. You offer up a short prayer. God bless the food. And after everyone goes through once or twice... You realize there's still food left over. It's happened, guys. I've been there. I've seen it. In the mission field, and I've seen it in Seattle. Where God just blesses the food. And we freak out because we don't know what to do. Of course we don't know what to do. He does it, right? Is his arm short? The rhetorical question is, no, it's not short. So here we have the story. There's more food left over than what they began with. And they wanted to make him king, which was smart on their part. But they had the wrong idea of what it meant to be the Messiah. They clearly made the connection because they say at the end there, he must be the prophet, referring to Moses. He must be the prophet. <laughs> and the next day when they find him, they go back to the story and they talk about God through Moses bring or man, Moses giving the people manna, so they made the connection. <clears throat> I mean, wouldn't we make the connection if we were in a place and there were people who had been sick and this guy healed them and fed them and did all this kind of stuff, and you're looking for a you're looking for a king to destroy your enemies? See, Jesus didn't come as a king to destroy enemies. He came as the Prince of Peace. See came as the Prince of Peace. So we pick the story up. Verse 26 of chapter 6. They had found Jesus there wondering how he had gotten there. And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life. Now he wants to take them deeper says, you're just looking for me because you had a great lunch yesterday. That's really what it's all about. We healed some people. You felt a little compassion, and you got fed. You got a full belly. There was food left over. That's why you're looking for me. But I'm going to just challenge you right now. Don't be looking for food that you have to work for. Look for something deeper. And this is where we're going to transition here a little bit because that's what Jesus does. So, in verse uh, 28, they start getting this idea that God, Jesus, wants to go deeper. And they say to him, what shall we do that we should do the works of God? We've covered this before, but it's worth covering it again. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe. Now, that's more than just your mind saying, yeah, I believe there's God. No, this ties into Abraham, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That means, in the original, that Abraham's trust in God was a way of life. We need to have a way of life where we trust God in every detail. Every detail. Okay, there's, there are things that I say to myself, do I really need to trust God? God, for a new pair of shoes on sale that will last me a couple years, I ought to be able to go shop the sales and figure out shoes, and I could, I could do that on my own. What a silly concept. I mean, it's a concept that I've had to learn over like a long time, 40 years. God wants to help you shop for shoes. I could testify, if my family were here, they would agree with me, when we were looking for Jessica's car, she wanted a bug. You know, a Volkswagen bug? One of those really cool old bugs? Not the new bugs, the old bugs. She had 500 bucks. To find an old bug that ran for 500 bucks, you know, it's not, not likely to happen, right? I'm driving through Cheney on my way home. It's when we live in Spokane. And I see this bug, blue bug that was sitting on the right-hand side. I hadn't seen it before, so I pull in. The guy just got home from work, and uh, I said, is this your bug? Oh, it was my granddad's bug out of Lewiston, and he gave it to me, and I can do whatever I want with it. I said, are you interested in selling it? Yeah, I'd probably be interested in selling it. I said, does it run? Yeah, it runs. I said, great, I'll be back. So I went home and got the cash, (laughs) and I came back. He didn't know what he wanted for it, but I knew what I had for money to work with. So I came back, and he started it up, and it ran. And uh, I said, how much do you want for it? Well, I can't take any less than $500. Bingo, man. 500 bucks came out of the pocket so fast. Drove it home. She still drives it to this day. He's still driving it. I tried to convince her to get a new car, like a new bug. No, no way. No way, Jose. It's the old 68 Bug. Okay? <clears throat> That's what she drives. Good thing she lives on the island, right? So come to the second daughter. This is the difference between the daughters. The second one wanted a Mustang. Not a Bug. She wanted a Mustang. Whew. We only had 3500 bucks for a Mustang. You can't buy a running Mustang for $3,500. We couldn't even buy a wrecked Mustang for 35 I figured we could get one that just had the shell. We'll find the motor. We'll put it together. No way. Can't find one. <laughs> so I was looking in, you know, auto trailer, Auto Trader kind of a thing. And there's this uh, 64 Mustang in Seattle well renting, actually, for $3,500. I go, man, this, this car it cannot be available. But I made a phone call. Older lady, old, older lady, answered the phone, and I said, um, "Is your car still available?" Yeah. I said, "Does it run?" Well, yeah. I said, "My brother lives in Bremerton. I'm in Spokane, but could you drive it to Bremerton?" He says, "Oh, probably. I drive it to the store." I'm going. Okay, I'm wiring you the money. I'll be there tomorrow morning and pick it up. Has anyone else talked to you? No, no one's talked. So I. I just sent her the money. Well, it was one of those home leaves from Academy where you can, like, sleep in. Those who go to dorm school, you come home on, and you sleep in. So I got up at like at 4 in the morning. And I went over and I shook Brittany. I said, Brittany, it's time to get up. Oh, come on, Dad. I said, we're going to pick your car up. Bam, she's out of there. And we drove all the way to Renton. We pulled in, and this is a beautiful teal 1964 Mustang with White leather interior. Okay, it had the uh, the, the, v, or the straight six in it. It was before they put the V8 in it. It had the three-speed. Like was perfect for a 16-year-old to drive a granny Mustang. But it was a Mustang for $3,500. And the lady who we bought it from had been given that for her 16th birthday. We drove out of there. And we stopped, and I said, Brittany, do you believe that God likes cars? I mean, he answered your sister's car for a car. He answered your prayer for this car. And we might think those are goofy things, a Mustang and a VW Bug. But no, God is into this. God is into this. But he wants you to go deeper than a, than a, a VW Bug or a Mustang, He wants you to realize his arm is not short and he's going to take care of you spiritually just like he takes care of you physically. And that's what he's trying to get the people to do here. It's not just food. It was pretty good lunch yesterday. I mean, God blessed the lunch. God made it multiply. Probably had a little flavor of manna in it. Okay? And so he keeps going. All right. Look at verse 22. 32, excuse me, then Jesus said to them, <clears throat> well, they actually wanted a sign. If you go back up to verse 30, this is crazy, you guys. What sign will you perform, they said. What sign will you perform? Weren't they there yesterday? Don't we do the same thing? I mean, I could pick on myself all day long. We're getting ready, to, you know, we're shopping for a house here in Skagit Valley. We had no, there's nothing happening. We're living in a trailer out of Big Lake, which is fine. But it was time to get a house. We're looking everywhere. God had provided our houses everywhere we live. But we're doing this thing, and we'd forgotten that, right? And so finally, after about a year of looking, I said to my wife, why don't we just stop looking and remember that God gave us every house we ever had in our whole life. So he'll give us the next house if we, when, when and if we need one. And within, you know, seven days, we're in a house. But we forget, I forget, that God has blessed us. Give me a sign. (laughs) Did you forget all the other signs anyway? So Jesus says, verse 32, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. Verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Jesus, is what he's saying. And the, the next part keeps going. He keeps going and keeps going and says, you need to eat me and you need to drink me. That's what he says. Eat my body, drink my blood, or you'll have no life in you. So the the table that you're sitting at there that has bread, that's Jesus. Ellen White tells us that every time we sit down at the dining room board, using some old phrases, and we eat bread, it's a representation of the blessing of Jesus. And we are to say thank you for that, blessing for that. Yes, we have unleavened bread because there's a lesson we can learn from leaven. Leaven causes things to rise. It causes fermentation, causes death. And Jesus' body that was broken on the cross, okay, did not have anything wrong with it. That's why we eat unleavened bread. But that bread on your table right now that you're hopefully putting a little butter on and enjoying, that's also a representation of Jesus. It's a blessing for each of us. And the grape. In order for the grape to make juice, it has to be what? Crushed. It's got to be crushed. I already made a mess of. I had to get, go home and get a pair of pants because I made a mess of <clears throat> the first pair of pants I brought today with juice. Okay, so it's probably a good thing I'm not squeezing the juice the grapes up here. But you get the point. In order to make grape juice, you got to squish and mash and crush the grapes. To make the juice. So Jesus isn't too far. He's not far off at all. When we uh, keep reading. Let's go over to uh, verse 47. Most assuredly I say to you. He who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that everyone may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. See him foreshadowing? He's foreshadowing a year from now, from this story here, a year from now, he's going to give a new covenant, which we're going to celebrate up here. Okay? So he's foreshadowing this idea, And he keeps going on. Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to, thee, say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. amazing connection he goes from a miraculous miracle the day before brings it all the way down to a spiritual application for them and for us that jesus is the only one who can keep us from starving you realize that jesus is the only one who can keep us from starving the problem is i'm glad to see people eating the bread and the grapes the reality is, as spiritual leaders, we often see people just staring at the grapes and the bread. They just stare at it. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, isn't there another way to get to heaven? Isn't there another way to get nourishment? Isn't there something else I could do besides eat this bread and eat those grapes? I mean... That's too much work. I, 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 I. And they back away from the table because they don't want the bread. And it's sitting right there. And so many times as spiritual leaders in the church, we see people just push away from the table. Nah, it's not for me. It's really cool looking though, but it's not for me. We use all kinds of excuses. I'm allergic to bread. Are you allergic to Jesus? I mean, to be real honest, are you allergic to Jesus? Are you, are you allergic to His blood? I wouldn't want to stand at the foot of the cross and have His blood spill all over me because I'm allergic to salvation. It's got to become personal. We, we can't just partake of the bread and the juice and, oh, that was, that was okay. I'm going to ask you a real direct question. How likely is it that our Christian friends in Ukraine are able to come to a building like this today and enjoy the Lord's Supper or communion or Mass? It's not possible. Maybe in hiding, it's possible. We were in Nicaragua and we wanted to have communion with the high school kids who were on a mission trip there. And uh, we couldn't find any grape juice anywhere from Managua to where we were at couldn't find grape juice in Nicaragua well we had a friend there Dr. Pavlich well he caught the name Dr. Pavlich from Eastern Europe he says I remember what we used to do when a kid we'd get raisins and we would soak them and then we'd squeeze the raisins to make reconstituted grape juice So we could find raisins and we soaked raisins for a day and then we squeezed it and made our juice for communion. If you really want to get close to Jesus, you're going to do whatever it takes to get close to Jesus. If you don't want to get close to Jesus, you'll push away from the table. And that's really got to be the saddest thing in the whole wide world is pushing away from I I was talking with the kids Thursday at school. I said, you realize that salvation is a free gift. The problem with it is we leave it underneath the Christmas tree and we don't open it up. Oh, that's a nice wrapped gift. The ribbon's pretty cool. Someone did a really good job wrapping that gift up, but I think I'm just going to leave it there. No, 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 that has your name on it. That's all right. I don't want to disturb it. It looks too nice. Well, it's free. Open it up. Oh, no, I can't do that. And I don't want you to leave today without making a commitment in your heart that you're going to eat as much Jesus as you probably can, okay? Just just soak him up. The thing is, he's going to fill you up, and you've got to share it with other people. Next week we're talking about, does it make a difference how you share the gospel? That's next week. Let Jesus fill you up. Fill you up with his blood and his body, and then share it and give it away. The, the thing is, it would be like those baskets. Man, I wish I had a ba- I do have a basket. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to put this over here. So where did the miracle happen? Jesus is reaching in the bag, and he's putting in the basket. It just keeps coming. Or maybe he put one piece of bread here, Levon and Tyler. Maybe just one piece of bread and one fish. And then he said, Well, go pass it out. And you reach in. Oh, there's another. Oh, th- there's more. Where did the miracle occur? Probably occurred everywhere. Because then when he gets done, the people are just, you know, satisfied sitting there in the sun on the green grass. The disciples are going by, Here, we'll take up your leftover. Take up your leftovers. And there's 12 baskets left from that little lunch. It probably is still full. And the little boy went home with his five loaves and two little fishes and gave it to his mom. Mom, why didn't you eat your lunch? (laughs) I did, man. It was amazing. Mom, it was incredible. That's just like Jesus, right? To send that bag back full of all the five little two fishes, you know? Amazing. I think it's just an amazing story. Well, the spiritual application is there. If I could have the deacons come and help pass out um, our emblems to the tables. Um, We have... We have grape juice in Dixie Cups, so it's more than probably what you're used to, but we want to just give the blessing of Jesus to you there, and uh, so we're going to have prayer for both the bread and the juice right now, and then the deacons will pass it around and we'll segue into our uh, supper together, okay? Loving Father, we pause here to just say, you're amazing, and we look at this story of the feeding of the 5,000 and then and what you did in the desert was amazing too and, and for Elisha, you're just an amazing God. And you said, take my body and my blood and eat it because it's food and drink unto eternal life. And as we pause now to receive emblems that you set aside, Lord, just bless the juice that it will become your blood in us, that the, the bread will become your body in us, And as we assimilate you into our hearts and our bodies today, that you will live new in us and shine out to others. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there is some gluten-free bread. If someone needs gluten-free, just raise your hand. The deacons will make sure it gets to you. And uh, so, yeah, please pass out the emblems. That would be wonderful. So Jesus says, as they're passing us out, we'll continue on. Jesus says, if you eat my body and drink my blood, it will become in you new life. Well, think what happens when you consume the grape and consume the bread biologically in our body. It gets transformed into nutrients that our bodies can use. It's an amazing miracle that God has. So again, if you need gluten-free, just raise your hand. We'll make sure it gets to you, okay? And here's something else that, that young people can uh, maybe lock in on this a little bit. So <clears throat> when you're studying for a test at school, uh, mainly, mainly maybe high schoolers and college kids, you know, you get into your soft, comfortable clothes, and you'll sit cross-legged on a comfortable chair or a beanbag couch. You put in your, your headphones or your earbuds. You listen to music. Maybe you have something to drink and some Pringles there. And you're snacking and drinking and studying and listening to music and all this cool stuff. And then you go to school the next day and you have to sit in one of those hard chairs, like straight up like this with nothing in your ear, nothing to eat, and a, and a pencil or something to write with. There's a saying psychologically called state-dependent learning. Your body actually changes chemically from when you were studying for that exam And when you took that exam, it's a different chemical makeup. So some people have a hard time taking tests because they don't have the same chemical balance. When, if you put them in the same situation and allow them to eat their Pringles and drink their whatever and listen to their music, they'd probably ace the test. Okay? Because your body assimilates that. And that's what we want to acknowledge today, that as we take God's body, Jesus' body, into us, And his blood into us through these symbols. That it will change us. Chemically, you're going to be a different person than when you came in here this morning. You realize that. You've already changed because you ate some bread, had some grapes, drank some water, whatever it was. You're chemically a different person already. Than when you walked in the doors this morning. But Right now the prayer is that not only will your body be different, but your soul Will be different you know when you <clears throat> wold it up like this you know it's like man I should do that more often <laughs> acknowledge who made the juice and who made the bread <clears throat> okay I got to reach over here and get my piece of bread thank you seriously anyone not need gluten free alright so <clears throat> in case in ca- what's that <laughs> Good. Well, my wife's not allergic to Jesus either, but she is allergic to gluten. So, <clears throat> something to keep in mind, young people, and maybe some older people. We have, um, through God's blessing, we have, we have blessed the juice and the bread. Okay, so this will be up here after the service, but it's not. It's not the same as it was before the blessing. You understand? We had God to come bless the bread, transform it into his body. Bless the juice, transform it into his blood. This now becomes sacred up here. <clears throat> okay? And so like, uh, you know, priests of old, we would take the juice after communion and we pour it out on the ground. Like they poured the blood out on the ground. And we do that in, in a solemn prayerful ceremony and the the bread, the blessed bread, is uh, burnt. And um, again, through a solemn ceremony, it's just respect to the belief that this becomes God's body and blood. Okay? So I hope you're not hungry. If you're hungry, eat that stuff over there. (laughs) Okay? All right. This takes us to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians Paul is having a discussion. He actually wrote this letter to um, the church in Corinth. And they were having an issue with um, coming to church and becoming gluttons. More than likely, they celebrated the Lord's Supper every time they came to church, more than likely. But in Corinth at the time, they would come to church and... Um, you know, if you were, like, high and mighty and important, you would rush to the head of the table, and then you would not wait for anybody. You'd just go and fill up your plate and start picking out. <clears throat> and if someone was late or they had a lower status socioeconomically, they sat at the end of the table and they got the leftovers. They had the wrong picture of the Lord's Supper. And so, in that context, um, Paul Writes to the church. All right. Uh, Make sure I get to the right place. All right. Paul writes For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Okay, he took the bread. was already on the table now remember this bread already represented the lamb okay the sacrifice so he took the bread and he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken from you for you do this in remembrance of me so we will do that in remembrance of jesus Heavenly Father, we just pause right now. I know we we prayed for the bread before we ate it, which is what you asked us to do. Lord, as we allow this simple mixture of flour and salt and oil and water to kind of just make its way through our mouth and into our body, we ask that your Holy Spirit will come in and just make this real, make this really your body. And through your spirit, dwell in us and transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And Paul continues there. said, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. Now this is, sometime we'll go through this whole thing together. There's four cups in the Jewish Passover. Okay, so he doesn't take the first cup, which pointed to the original covenant. He doesn't take the second cup, which is a cup of blessing and praise for everything God has done in their life. He doesn't take the third cup, which is also a cup of praise. He takes the cup of promise. Okay? The last cup. And he takes this. <clears throat> he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We want to take this cup of promise and receive it as he commanded us. And do that now. Did we get did everyone get cups yet? Sorry, sorry. We're not gonna do it right now because we're gonna wait, right? That's what <clears throat> Paul asked us to do was to wait. <laughs> Gotta behave myself, huh? Woo! Thank you for passing that <clears> out. <throat> So while they're passing this out, anyone have a yay Jesus that they want to show? Like, Jesus has been really cool to you this week? Anybody? Every day, I love it. Every day, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Ron. Ron. Awesome, <laughs> isn't it great, we we wake up and so we have Steve and then Addy, do you have something you want to share? Can you, inter- I didn't hear that, help school, help with school, I tell you I was over there on Thursday, that is an awesome school, if anyone wants to check it out you can see the LeVon afterwards, um, but that was awesome, I had a great time over there. <laughs> makes me want to go back more often than just every so often. Steve. Great grandchild. Yes. Wow. (coughs) Cool. That is so awesome. Well, some of you may know that Kim had to, to put her little poodle to sleep this year and 16 year old poodle that Uh, was active in domestic violence, sexual assault services as a service dog, and would often sit with the ladies or whoever would come in, and they would sit on the lap as they waited for counseling. And the dog would do a lot of counseling just being a dog, right? But uh, we're going down this afternoon to visit a a new addition to the family. Next week, we get a little eight-week labradoodle. So... Kim, when you see here, will probably be walking on clouds somewhere up there, somewhere. Um, It's it's great. God gives us us each other and gives us animals, gives us a number of things. So we pick up the the story where Paul is referencing the cup, the last cup of the Passover. And Jesus says to them, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Mm. <clears throat> Loving Father, as we follow your Son's at command to us in the new covenant to receive his body and blood, again, just <clears throat> do what you do so well. Do that miracle. And let this uh, body and blood uh, transform us from the inside out so we can be your representatives. In a clear, more perfect way, not because of us, but because of you, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, as we uh, bring this to a close, we just—I just—my heart for you is that in the days and weeks ahead, and I could say years, but then again, who knows? what will happen a year from now. Maybe we'll be drinking. That's what he says. He wasn't going to drink from the fruit of the vine until it was made new, complete in his kingdom. And I imagine that the marriage supper of the Lamb, you know, it's just going to be incredible as God lifts the cup for the first time since this service that he instituted and says, let's drink Together, The promise is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is now. Cool thing is, we can enjoy Jesus walking in and around and through us now. He promises that. And our job is simply to pass it on. Pass it on. There's an old song we're not going to sing. I'll just set it up for you. We might sing it next week. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, right? <laughs> we'll probably sing that next week. But come next week as we talk about, does it matter how you share the gospel? Does it matter how we share Jesus with a dying world? And the world is dying. And we need to share it. No matter where we find ourselves every day. I want to thank you all for coming.